Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Pen Addict Podcast, your weekly show where we discuss pens, paper and the analogue tours that we love so dearly. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined today by the Lieutenant of Lamy, Mr. Brad Dowdy. Awesome. How are you, sir? Good. I kind of feel like I've uh, besmirched my country, though. Why? Well, we say Lieutenant. Ah. Spell exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Pronounced lieutenant instead of lieutenant. Now that I've never heard. There you go. So yeah, if you yeah. watch some old British war movies or, or actually sort of any British war movie or whatever, you'll notice it. But you might miss it. But yeah, we say lieutenant. Okay. Spelt spelt the same. I don't. I that one I do not understand. But <laughs> well, I salute you for that. Thank you. You surviving? You surviving? In, surviving over there in London in the UK? Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. all good. There's nothing wrong here. Yeah, we're um I don't know. We're getting we're digging out the the trenches again, getting ready for another storm here in the in the US southeast. I don't know what's going on with the weather, but um well, I say yeah. that there are a lot of floods in the UK, but Oh, not, I, not I saw some pictures, yeah. Yeah, it's not really happening yeah. in London. Your castle your castle or is is getting flooded. That's just the moat. <laughs> All right, so we got uh, we got a good episode today. My kind of episode where we just kind of go over everything. Everything is fair game. Since we had a we had a quick turnaround from last week's episode, and I didn't have time to fully formulate a a new new topic for today. We got uh, all kinds of Twitter questions, which our our Twitter followers are just I don't know off the charts awesome. So we got all kinds of good stuff to touch up touch on for. For uh, topics later in this episode, but I got a couple updates I want to give, if that's good by you. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so it's been a while since I've given a knock co update on the podcast, and I've just put out a backer update yesterday, or was that this morning? I lose track. I think it was this morning. Okay. Um, about where we're at as far as manufacturing and shipping goes, and we're getting there. I mean, we're the... The stock room is loaded to the hilt with cases. Um, so I'm going to ship out. Uh, I, I put a link in the show notes for anyone who hasn't seen the update yet because some people do miss them. Um, you can go over there and see kind of where we're at on shipping. I've got several different levels I'm going to try to get out this week. Weather depending. looks like the weather's turning for the worst. So hopefully I can get them out by the end of the week. But if not, it'll be shortly thereafter. Um and then, you know, the manufacturing side of it, it's going good. So we're just going to keep plugging away and hopefully we'll get all this done uh, this month and shipped out either by the end of the month or, I don't know, maybe right in the beginning of March. But it's looking pretty good. Um, we have lots of cases just sitting here ready for the the rest of the uh, orders to be to be made. So, you know, like the all the cases level and the mass storage level, you know, I might have three or four of each each person's order um ready to go i just gotta wait for the rest so so that's where we're at on that where's mine you know <laughs> it's funny i was working jeff and i were working this weekend and i was up in atlanta uh-huh. um helping out and he said he gave me a couple extra ones that we they were just kind of one off he goes what is what cases does Mike have for his order? I was like, I don't know. I haven't looked specifically because you should send it. You should, we should get his together and go ahead and send them to him. I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to play any favorites. <laughs> yeah. See, I, said, I wonder if people think I have not received a case. Not, yeah. not one. This, I said, if, I, know, send, if I send Mike's case who back to all the cases level, who's, you know, those are the people that have, have paid the most and have, are going to have to wait the longest and we're like the hugest supporters and everyone's getting theirs last. And, and yeah, um, I, I can see why I can see why Jeffrey said it. Uh-huh. And I'm, you know, I'm thankful that he's thinking of me, but I agree mm-hmm. with you. I, I, I would have told you not to do that. Yeah. I was like, man, I'll get killed if I'd make a special special package and send his up early <laughs> it would be so unfair to everybody else yeah yeah but like out of all the stock that i have you know i could probably put i could probably piece together a handful of the all my cases orders but you know it's just it's hard until you get like every single case done to actually go in and package all of those orders because they're so random in what every color 
of every style that everyone picked, right? It's not it's not consistent across everything. So it's hard to it's hard to manage. And so that's that's unfortunately gonna be one of the last things to ship just because, you know, like I say, like in my in my update, like I've got the orange you know, I've got the Mandarin Mango Sassafras is ready and the Midnight Foliage High Towers. Well, I don't just have those ready for those shipments. I have all of those ready for the people who ordered those for the all the cases level. So, you know, I'll ship out 50 of them and then I have another 200 of them sitting here waiting to be compiled into all the case the all the cases order. So that's kind of how it works. Um, so, um it's an interesting kind of uh, I'm going to use the word dichotomy, but I don't know if it's the correct word, but I like the sound of it in this sentence. Um, that the people that gave you the most money are mm-hmm. waiting the longest. Like it's just an interesting sort of like predicament to find yourself in. Did you yeah. anticipate this? Did this thought cross your mind um, when you were when you were doing it? When nope. you were putting it, up? it it did not cross our yeah. mind, and that's one of our. That's one of the learns, Re- I guess, that you've had. Yeah, that's a huge learn. That's I don't want to say regret. It's not a regret, but it's definitely not how we planned things in the beginning. Definitely not. It's not how we saw things playing out, put it that way. And so it's kind of put us in a weird spot for that to where I feel like super guilty about yeah. that. That's That's like been my biggest regret so far that – we've had to push off our biggest supporters till the very end. So we've, uh, Jeff and I have already talked about it. We're going to do, I mean, we've been, we, you know, we try to be as open as possible throughout this whole experience and it's been a massive learning experience and there's definitely been some mistakes along the way. And we're, we're talking about, we're definitely going to have a, a, a big post uh, dissecting what we've learned um, that we can hopefully help out, you know, other people looking to, to do, uh, you know, a Kickstarter project like this and just kind of lay out the nuts and bolts of the, you know, the things that we did wrong and the things that we did right and the things we do differently. So yeah, it's, it's been a massive learning experience. And fortunately, you know, everyone, our, our backers have been awesome and understanding about, you know, the delays and, and things like that. So, I mean, fortunately, I mean, it, we're in this predicament because it was very successful, right? So, you know, we're just we're just trying to uh, learn from that and, you know, continue to do a good job making these cases and, and get these all out to everybody and, um, you know, and take what we've learned and, and move it forward into the, um, into the other products and, and everything else that we're going to be doing in the future. So it, it's, it's been a challenge. But it's been it's been really good um, from a from a learning perspective. So it's and there's definitely some things we would have done differently. When's this? When's the general store opening? Should be in March. I don't have an exact date. Probably tour. It's it's not going to open obviously until we get everyone shipped, right? I mean that would just be suicide pretty much. Um, so we're looking at March, probably in the middle to late March. Um. And it's, I mean, it's essentially ready to roll. We haven't been working on it too much. We've been working on other things. But, you know, we've kind of got, um, we've, we've worked on the site on and off and ready to turn it on um, whenever. We just don't know what the inventory is going to be like when we are, when we do go live with it. But it'll be in March um, because we, we'll be, we should be fully done with all the Kickstarter stuff. Um, everything shipped out. Um, obviously, the earlier the better. But, um I don't see any reason why it won't be in March to get that turned up. So everyone's been asking about that too, because we're going to have some, um, you know, not just the cases that were available in Kickstarter, but we've got some new products we're going to work on, um, some new colorways for the cases, case designs we've already made, and um, some completely, completely new products. Um, one of which we we uh, we dropped a sneak peek of uh, this week. You happen to catch that? Sure did. So what do you think? I'm very interested. Yeah, so what we did, so back in, so our Kickstarter ended like October 30th, I think. So pretty much all of November, we're just sitting around waiting for all the Kickstarter machination, machinations in the background to 
to finish up, right? You got to wait weeks to get the money transferred and we got to wait weeks to, you know, order products and I mean, order our materials and then get in, get in. So we had, we had several weeks or almost a month of downtime after the Kickstarter ended before we really started hardcore manufacturing. So we came up with a few ideas that we worked on during that time. And this is kind of the uh, culmination of a couple ideas we had. Um, we wanted to carry some other things besides um, pin cases. So we came up with an index card design that we really liked. Um, I'm a huge index card fan. Uh, Jeff uses them at work constantly. Um, I know a lot of people are index cards fans. And it's always been hard to find a good quality index card, I felt, that worked with a lot of, a lot of different pens. Um, so we wanted to make... If you kind of go at it from the perspective of making a fountain pen friendly index card, it's going to work with pretty much all pens. And um, you know, we worked with a printer and and found the right paper and the route the right uh, printing ink um, to make our dot dash index cards. And um, we're going to be excited to to release those on the world in March. And since we uh, we didn't want to just stop there with the index cards. We worked with our friend uh, Mike Dudek of uh, the Clicky Post. So the dude and and Jeff and I brainstormed some ideas to hold these index cards. And um, we have a link to the picture in the show notes. I posted it on the Notco in- Instagram. It's called the uh, Idea Doc. And what it is, it's basically a note card holder, an index card holder. It holds a, like up to a pack of 50 in kind of a back slot on the on the um, on the wooden block, and then it has a slot in the front for like your current active card, if you will. I know a lot of people keep to do lists and and daily notes and checklists on index cards, and this gives them a slot to uh, put that card kind of front and center. And then behind that card, there's like a little groove cut out for a pen to lay across. So it's a nice little um, desk accessory that works good for uh, index cards. And we're really, really happy with how this turned out from uh, Mr. Dudek. And who's making the index cards? Um, a local printer to us here in Atlanta. Good stuff. So you've you've had a hand in the paper selection and things like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, we we tried all kinds of the samples different kinds of printing ink, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, well, we had, we handled the whole process with the, with the printer. We picked out everything and, and did the design ourselves and the, and the, um, you know, the cover design and, and things like that. So you have the design and paper and every, it's everything we've been fully, fully engaged with, with getting these made. And, uh, I'm really, really happy with how they turned out. They, um, they work really, really well. Looks exciting. So, God, you yeah, guys we are so busy. <laughs> we are, man. It's uh just wait till March. I mean, we're excited. We want to get this this Kickstarter fulfilled. Um, you know, that's obviously our primary goal and um get everyone, you know, everyone's cases in their hands and everyone excited about their cases because the feedback continues to be really positive on what we have sent out. Um and um, you know, then after that, after Kickstarter's done, it's gonna be not a very different Notco, but there's just going to be more different stuff, if you will. I mean, it's it's going to be, I mean, this is, you know, Jeff and I are taking this business, you know, as very seriously. I mean, this is something we want to do and something we want to do full time. So we're trying to make uh, make decisions to lead us down that path. So, you know, ho- hopefully everyone likes what they see and uh, will continue to check us out. In March, you, let me without giving too much away, do you have any other products or are these kind of just the, the new products that you're launching along with the cases and the not coastal? Um, we'll have some more products. Oh. Um, I don't want to say what they are yet, but um, we'll oh. definitely have some more products. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> it's building an empire over there, you two. We're trying. We're trying. I mean, we want to, we want to make this thing work. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's a dream of both of ours, and we appreciate all the support that everyone's given us so far. And uh, you know, we um, we've been getting a lot of uh, good feedback, and want to uh, continue making good products for everyone. And and um, that that's the plan. I have another question for you. Sure. 
Um, so obviously the the Kickstarter dates have, have slipped right past where you you wanted them to. Yes, I know you wanted to have everything out in January, mm-hmm. um, and that's taken a little bit longer because you've had to build like a actually a huge inventory, like thousands. Mm-hmm. You had to fulfill over two thousand orders. So right. meaning, you know, how many cases in total are you making? By the way, do you know? It, I don't have the exact number. It's around six thousand or so. So you've had to make six thousand products, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, in a few months, right? Basically, right, right. Um, and it's it's just like one guy most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I can see that's how you're in this shape. But if you're going to start selling things from a storefront, mm-hmm. you kind of can't leave people waiting for this amount of time. So how are you tackling that? Right. It it'll be a little bit different once we get to that point. We'll be able to plan out what we offer better. And be able to space that out on our own time frame. So, you know, we'll, we don't want to have a bunch of, you know, sold out or out of stock for any extended period of time. Um, so we'll be able to, we'll be able to manufacture enough products for a store easier than we will to manufacture for this Kickstarter. I don't know if I can explain that in, you know, black and white. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it it's hard to explain, but it it's going to be a totally different kind of workflow for us if you will from the store perspective than it is from the Kickstarter perspective. So, we we talk about that a lot and how we're going to, you know, manage the store and the inventory and things like that and we're both pretty convinced that it's going to be very different and and should be easier than what we've done so far as far as getting all the uh, Kickstarter fulfilled. And so we don't a, think we don't think that's going to be an issue. And they should have a total land rush again. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. So you never know. I mean, people have been people have been clamoring for us to get that store open, and you know, that's just we're just not going to do that until that would that would be a bad move <laughs> to open that up before. Um, Kickstarter's fulfilled. I mean, there's really no point in doing that. So we have a. Uh, goals to meet for all our kickstarter backers and then uh, once that's done we'll go from there do we have any follow-up before we um go into the main topics today yeah just one thing on the edc show last week which we got a lot of good feedback on that show um everyone seemed to like that show pretty well and uh i, I appreciate all the feedback we got on that and one very good point that la ward made on twitter and i totally whiffed on this um, during the EDC show, is women and purse carry pins. I mean, that's something I usually I've actually mentioned several times when I've reviewed pins on my blog that you know it's going to be you know good for good for a purse or a pocketbook something like that. And she just wanted to make the point that you know, hey, ladies are here too. You know, we need something that's going to fit good in a purse um, because our pants our pants pockets are useless. She says, lady pants pockets are useless, <laughs> which I thought was good. Yeah, um, I'm sure. So, I mean, you know, we, a lot of, but a lot of the same pins still fit the bill. Um, like a Fisher Space pin is going to be awesome for a purse. You know, just that, or even if you're just carrying your pocketbook um, and just need something to to slip in there that's real, small and sleek so something like the fisher space pin but really a lot of the pins are gonna um are gonna work the same way for um women who have to carry it in a purse or something to that effect but i am sorry i whiffed on that and as soon as she said it i was like oh yeah i meant to say something about that and i forgot so thank you for bringing that back up but um i think that's all the the episode follow-up i got did you have anything uh my uh new ink came in but i haven't really got much to say just yet Okay. So this is the Hiroshizuku Chiku Rin. What color is that? Is that the green? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm not convinced on it yet, so I need to to keep using it a little bit more, I think, and kind of just get used to it a bit. Um, And then I might have more to say about it afterwards. Awesome. So, yeah, I will come back. Maybe in the next couple of weeks I'll come back with a little bit more on that, I think. Okay, that'll be good. I'll I'll be I'll uh, have some more inks to talk about by then too. Cool. Should we take a break? Thank us about yes. Yes. Some new stuff. I've got some exciting stuff today about Squarespace. 
cool new stuff to talk about so this episode is brought to you by the fine folks over at squarespace they are the all-in-one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own website for a free trial and 10 percent off go to squarespace.com and use the offer code tallyho2 so Squarespace are always doing great work to make sure their platform is up to date with new features, designs, and more support. They have beautiful templates that you can get started with and tons of style options that you can adjust, tweak, and really craft and create your own space online. Everything on Squarespace is drag and drop, so it's easy to add content from your desktop and even arrange elements of content within a page. Squarespace makes sure that your site automatically looks great on every device because they make sure that every Squarespace template, their professionally designed beautiful templates, have their own unique mobile design. You can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, and Google, and many more web and social services to sort of farm data and content out to those services and also bring data and content in. Squarespace also has an e-commerce platform called Squarespace Commerce. So if you want to set up a shop and sell things, you can do that too in just a few minutes. Squarespace is really easy to use, but if you need any help, they have over 70 dedicated employees on their customer care team based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week and have super fast email support throughout the day and night. And listen up, all you Squarespace fans, as I'm sure you are out there. Now's the time. Your time has come. You can now apply to be a part of the Squarespace team. Squarespace is looking to hire 30 engineers and designers by March 15th. This means they're inviting potential candidates, which could be you, and their spouses to be New Yorkers for a weekend completely on them. So if you want to hang out with our friends over at Squarespace, then go check out beapartofit.squarespace.com to learn more. They'll fly you out if you're a potential candidate. You can enjoy New York and go and meet with a Squarespace team. So go take a look at that at beapartofit.squarespace.com. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure that you get 10% off and support this show by using the offer code TallyHo2. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and The Pen Addict. Do you see what our friend uh, Mike Dudek did? Speaking of, of the, the dude making the, the awesome blocks for us. Do you see what he did was like a week or two ago? Oh, this is the, a further Squarespace uh, pimp job. I'm not sure. Maybe. So I put a link in the show notes just now. It reminded me. He did a full um, iOS oh, yeah. post with the, uh, through the Squarespace app. Um, the, the pictures, the blog post, the editing, everything through their uh, blog app, which um, it's it's uh, really nice. They they've they finally gotten uh, they nailed gotten that it, solid where it needs yeah. to be. Yeah, it, it's right on the money. So I thought that was that was cool of him to do, and um, um, you know that's something I I ought to uh, try out because I'm on my phone constantly. Man, this I is good. Look, like, he took the photos of his iPhone. Yeah, it's 100% iPhone post. Man, there's some good photos. Mm-hmm. He's that, really he's he's a good photographer to begin with. God, why is and that then, guy so talented? <laughs> it's kind of not fair on everybody else. Yeah, you know. I know it's not fair. You guys stop being so good. Yeah, God, dude, <laughs> he's going to go on the bad list. I think. I know. I know. Now you want to see some other good good um, photography and some lustworthy pins. Our our pin blog of the week is write to me often. So this is a this is a blog I've only been following maybe a year maybe yeah not too much longer than that, and uh, it's a girl named uh, Zeynep, and she is Turkish and it's a the blog is she actually does a great job of making it accessible to everyone. She writes her blog posts in Turkish, and then I guess she just translates them herself or rewrites them completely in English. So there's basically two phases to each blog post she does. She's got a killer killer collection of pens and not only has she been doing a bunch of awesome reviews for all of her fountain pens she started into in the past month or two starting to do some um kind of fountain pen tips you know like she's doing doing a, a series on pen cleaning here recently she's like on her third third post for pen cleaning but um yeah you want you want to be jealous of someone's photography yeah, and someone's really pens go take a look at what she's doing so um you know that's a that's a blog you guys should definitely, definitely be checking out. So we'll have that in the show notes. If you're not familiar with this blog, add it to your, add it to your RSS reader, add it to your bookmarks, um, do something because she, uh, she actually posts quite often. I mean, several, several posts a week, very in depth, very beautiful, 
um, all kinds of pins that I just left o- lust over and some great reviews. So definitely check out Write to Me Often. I like the backgrounds that she that she picks. Yeah, it's it's all different. That's one thing you know I want to work on. I, I sometimes I get stuck in ruts because I'm so you know photo averse. I guess that you know sometimes I get stuck and I need to change it up more. It would probably um, you know suit the blog better to have it uh, mixed up quite often, like she does. She does a great job. All right, so like we mentioned before, we didn't have a specific topic, so we reached out to our Twitter friends who within like five minutes gave me just like, I don't know, every question under the sun that was like every question was awesome. Like there was no like throwaway questions like everyone I had to write down and I don't know if I'll get to all of them on this episode or not, but um, you know, one of them, one of them we already handled talking about the, uh, the Notco idea doc we're doing for the index cards, you know, right after I, I opened up the floor for uh, for questions, Toffer said, talk about that damned idea cube that you won't let me give you money for yet. <laughs> Mostly talk about how I can give you money for one. <laughs> I know he's an index card fan, so uh, hopefully we answered his question already. But a, a few of the topics were kind of pertinent to some things I've been working on recently. And just Davey B, who does, who is another pen blog will probably feature as a pen blog a week one of these days he asks custom grind fountain pen nibs are they worth it so this is a discussion i think um more than just a one-off topic and you know it may be something we have to revisit down the line so the basic answer i think is yes they're worth it. And the reason why is the reason why it's the same answer that people people like to ask why fountain pens, just in the generic sense, as opposed to, you know, a gel ink pen or a ballpoint. Why fountain pens? And the answer to that, I think, is customization. I think the amount of customization you can do with fountain pens is endless. You know, I don't want to say that gel ink pens or ballpoint pens have been solved because they haven't. There's still new things coming out, but there's seems to be a limit. There's only X amount of stuff you can do with a gel ink pen, you know, get it in a few tip sizes, get it in a few different colors. Um, Then maybe, you know, in a couple of years, they'll come out with a different barrel. You can put the same refill in. Fountain pens aren't like that because of the... Number one, just the range of inks you can put in. Um, Number two, the modifications you can do to the pens you already have. So this is where the custom grinding comes in. To me, it's worth it because I have very specific things I like when I'm writing. I, I like two things. I like either a very, very fine line or I like a very blocky squared off line like from a stub nib so i have certain pins that i like you know whether i like you know if i like their barrel type um or they're comfortable to hold you know they're great looking and it's a pen i want to use but i may not necessarily like the nib that much well i can get someone to fix that for me or not fix, fix isn't the right word, but I can get someone to improve that experience for me. You know, take a pen I already like and make it even better for me personally. And that's what it boils down to. The custom grind thing is a total, totally, you know, personal thing. It's not something I recommend people just doing, you know, randomly. You know, just, you know, if there's a reason that you want a pen in a specific nib to write a certain way, then yeah, that's something you should look into. Um, I don't think everyone needs to do it. I mean, there's certainly a lot of, there's certainly not a lot of need for that. But if you're obsessive like me and I want certain things to write certain ways or feel certain ways, then it's something you should look into. And you can take a pen that you have that, you know, may not be, you may love how the pen looks and how the pen feels, but you don't love with how you're not in love with how it writes. 
you know, for probably around $30. That's just a ballpark, what seems to be kind of a general fee um, for a lot of these guys that do nib work. You can completely change how that pen writes and change what you think about that pen. So um, are they worth it? To me, they are, but it's a, it's a very personal thing. So, you know, that's something I think we'll, we'll continue to explore, Mike, on the podcast and on the blog because, you know, a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to do that. Well, I haven't. haven't. I haven't done it yet. Right. Because right. I've yet to find, for me, I haven't found a justification, in all yep. honesty. Like, I don't feel like I have, I've purchased a pen that was expensive enough that I loved so much and didn't love the nib on enough that I wanted to, to change it. Right. You know? Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's totally valid. I mean, and that, and that's how it should be. I mean, and a lot of people will say, well, I bought a pen for this reason and you know, there's no need to change it. And that's, I mean, geez, that's completely valid. But, um, you know, if you want to, um, you know, kind of try some different things and, and, you know, see what, see what other options are out there for, for nibs, um, for me, it's been absolutely worth it. And, you know, I've, I mean, it's, it's really a small majority of my, a small number of my pens that I've, that I've had worked on. Um, it's just a handful of pens. So it's not like every pen that I get gets sent out for work. Actually, most of them don't. And, um, you know, a lot of times I will buy a pen specifically that I know is not the perfect nib for me. And with the intent to, have it transformed into something else that I know is perfect. Like I just got a Pilot um, Pilot Custom Heritage 92. This is one I bought back in December. I bought a bold nib with the intent to make it into like a fine cursive italic nib. So I purchased it with the intent of having it modified before I even inked it up for the first time. So I bought it with a bold nib. So um, when I sent it to Mike Masayama, I new i mean i never even inked it up when i got the pen i bought it it arrived didn't ink it up packaged it up and sent it to masayama said hey here's what i want and i just got it back yesterday and it's really nice so i'll have more on that later so that's one thing that's one option that i knew ahead of time that i wanted right so i planned on that now the second thing you know i got um alami studio which i reviewed on monday so I got that from Jet Pens, and I got an EF nib. It's a 14 karat gold nib. I didn't like how the nib wrote. Um, it was way too wide for an EF nib. I mean, it wrote like a bold nib, and I didn't like it. So I knew, well, that's a that's a different scenario. This pen I wanted fixed. Basically, I wasn't going to use it in its current state. So I sent it off to Sean Newton, um, who I wrote about in the blog. And asked him to turn it into like a something somewhere around a Japanese fine nib. So that completely changed that pen for me, right? Because it was a pen I was barely going to use before, and now it's turned into a pen that's awesome. So those maybe, are the type of things you you have to consider. Um, maybe you know, part of it for me is that I don't have somebody that I know to do this. Like you know, you have Masayama. Who you know is a good guy for this stuff, but I haven't. Just, I mean, I haven't looked, but I've, you know, I don't know the names of anyone. Yep. Um, and that, that's because I would, you know, I would want to send it in the UK, obviously. Yeah, for sure, and that's a big thing. You know, people doing it for the first time, they definitely want to have, you know, someone vouch for whoever's doing the work, right? Someone with a good reputation, um, some experience doing it, someone that, you know, other people have, have used and you can see what the work's like. And I think that's a lot of it. And, you know, I didn't, the first time I had any nib work done was at the pen show last year, um, the Atlanta pen show. So getting to do that in person for the first time that I had anything done was very helpful for any future you know, any future work I've had done to where I've mailed off to, to certain people. And I would def- definitely recommend that if, you know, if you have the opportunity, not everyone has the opportunity, but um, there's lots of, lots of people who do nib work and you can get lots of good recommendations online, um, like on Fountain Pen Network and things like that, just to see, you know, 
who who's doing good work um, for this style of style of um, nib that you want. So, so that's uh, I don't know. I feel like that's just barely scratching the surface of the topic. And and we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Ivan from Inktronics just put a, a post up yesterday, as a matter of fact, um, called the DIY Nibmeister Part One. So a lot of I haven't done this yet, and I don't see me doing it, but you never know. I've learned to never say never. Yes, yeah, uh, especially on this show. But um, a lot of people do their own nib work, um, smoothing and adjustments. And this Ivan started a, a, a post uh, to do a series on how he does some of this nib work himself. So I can't you know, imagine anything more terrifying. <laughs> I can't either. I I don't want to put that on myself. <laughs> I don't trust myself that much no. um, to be able to do that. So, but but check that out because that's and and I just saved another post. Um, I don't know. Right before we started the podcast, um, um, another blogger was doing some uh, DIY nib work out there today. I'll, I'll put that. I've got it saved off for ink links this weekend. I don't have the link right in front of me, but yeah, this is a. Uh, a popular thing because a lot of fountain pen stores sell, you know, little kits for you to at least do some smoothing and some cleaning. Um, maybe not some hardcore reshaping of nibs, but just some uh, basic work. So, anyway, um, the next question is from Brian Schenker, and this one comes up a lot: gold versus steel nibs. Major difference, and are there circumstances to choose one over the other? I still, to this day, even though I've been using fountain pens, I, I'm in the grand scheme, I'm not very experienced with fountain pens, but I definitely feel like I'm still not able to completely articulate why you should choose gold or steel. From my experience, I've found there's not that much difference depending on the pen. Like, with gold nibs, you'll get a little bit more flexibility in like the full-size nibs. Um, that's kind of about it. I mean, if you have a good quality steel nib, it's going to write just as well as a good quality gold nib. Um, you know, I when people ask me this question, I always send them the same link. And it's from Brian Gray at Edison Pen. And he has a post called In Praise of Steel Nibs, and it's worth reading. So we'll put that in the show notes. And what Brian's saying is... You know, this is a guy who is in the fountain pen business and, you know, he puts down the points of why you should choose steel or why you should choose gold. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily see lots of reasons to choose gold nibs. Um, you know, it, he goes into a, a, a broader explanation in, in this article and everyone should definitely read this. But just in my experience... I don't I don't necessarily pick up a pen. I don't choose a pen based on whether it's a gold or steel nib. I choose a pen based on whether it writes well, whether that nib writes well. Like I would just as soon use, you know, a Twisby EF steel nib as my Pelican gold nib because I like how they both write. I mean, there's no I don't see that there's a huge benefit to having that gold nib necessarily. Um, do you have any comments on this, Mike? Do you have any? Do you actually have many gold nibs? I know you're. I have you're one. Mont Blanc, right? Oh, well, I have my Mont Blanc, but that, that needs to be repaired. Yeah, um, right. I knew do you know what? That could be a good a good idea for me. To, mm -hmm. When I when I I tell you what I do when I find someone. Or if someone mm -hmm. is able to recommend somebody good in the UK for for nib shaping, and, mm -hmm. and basically, well, basically restoration shaping, because that's mm -hmm. what I kind of need. I'll send that off because I, 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 you know, I mentioned this many times on the show back in the early days. Um, I have a Mont Blanc which was bought for me as a present. Um, it was before I really knew a lot about fountain pens, so I never really cleaned it. Well, I never cleaned it. Um, and one day I dropped it, and it kind of bent the nib. Mm -hmm. um, but it was an excellent nib mm -hmm. I loved it Just absolutely loved that pen um, so I would like to have that restored because also it was a gift it was a gift for my 21st birthday right so I would like to have it repaired um, or just restored 
and I, and I would prefer to have it worked on than to just buy a new Mont Blanc nib because really, ideally I would like to keep the same nib that I that I bought, you know. Right, and right. I could maybe sure. have it because it was a broad, so maybe I could have it like you know made into a medium now or something. Yeah. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, and I also have my Pelican, which is a gold nib. Oh, that's right. You bought the you bought an extra nib for that, yeah. right? And that is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's the Pelican or the the nib, right? But right, like it. Sorry, I don't know if it's the Pelican nib or because or, it's gold. Right. But it's ex- It's just excellent. Yeah. It's just all around good, yeah. good product to begin with. Yeah, so I'm probably not yeah. a not a, a authority. I know it's that. there's not there's not a huge there's not as huge as different a huge difference as you might think between gold and steel nibs, in my opinion. Um, you know, little little bit added flex in the gold because it's a softer material. Um, maybe marginally smoother, but I mean you can get some awfully smooth steel nibs. I don't know that you know. Yeah, I, I don't know that it it makes a massive massive difference. I mean, there's there's obviously going to be situations where, um, you know, one will clearly win out over the other. But I think in as a whole, I think you'll be just as happy with steel as as a gold nib. So, um, yeah. But definitely check out this article from um, Brian Gray. I I have I need to keep that that thing hot linked as many people ask me that as many times as I sent that article out. So it's a good article. Um, Thomas Hall, my enabler extraordinaire sent a very good question. Um, he said, if starting over, which pins would you buy and why? So like if you have what you have now, and just kind of wipe the slate clean and started from the beginning. Which pins would you buy? Probably sooner than the other ones. You know, which pins have I have kind of been um, a phenomenon, I guess, if you will, that you found out later in the game. And for me, it's probably I really like my Edison pins, where in the beginning I I was hesitant to purchase them. Um, I wasn't sure if they were for me and I wasn't sure if the value was there because they're not exactly cheap. I'm really happy with uh, the Edison Beaumont, the Edison Perlette that I have. Um, so those I would definitely, definitely get in on earlier than I did um, the first time around. And both of those are steel nib pins, by the way, which write wonderfully. Um, so yeah, those. I mean, gosh, I, I'm really happy with all the pins I have. So I can't necessarily, you know, say you know what I would hold off on, what I wouldn't, um, because I've been, you know, I think I've been diligent in my purchasing, Mike, and that's that's one of the big things. I try not to just jump into it. And just start going crazy. I try to be diligent. I try to learn something. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to try things before I buy, and which is a huge deal. So you know, um, so yeah, if I had to start over, I'd probably buy an Edison pen earlier than I did. I was pretty hesitant um, at first. Is there any anything for you on that category? Um, I think that there's a few things that I wouldn't have bought. You know, um, sure. Probably the main one for me being the uh, vanishing point, mm-hmm. which originally I thought was a great idea, but in you know hindsight, it actually wasn't for me. Um, I would probably go with like the Pelican um, and a Twisby of some description. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what model I would go for. Um, but I would, yeah, I'd probably go for a Twisby too. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good point about the Pelican. They're kind of in the same boat as the Edison, where there's there's a little bit of premium on it because of of what it is. So maybe that puts people off at the beginning, um, where they think they can get, um, you know, buy two pins for the price of one. But that one is really awesome, and that that's something you know I'd look at. Now, on your vanishing on your vanishing point question, we have another question from Sebastian Morissette. He says, "I would love to love my pilot vanishing point, but I cannot see. But it cannot seem to grow on me." 
It's just uncomfortable. Yeah. And I would want, I wonder if Sebastian finds the same thing. Like, so uh, when I was showing uh, my lady friend the pen, like uh, my pen collection, she really liked The Vanishing Point. But it reminded mm. me of how I felt about it when I first got it. I loved it. Because in those short sort of bursts, it's excellent. But it's mm-hmm. over a long period of time, um, I find it uncomfortable. You don't have this problem, do you? I am still all in on the vanishing point. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, no problem for me. So it might it might just be me, you know? No, no, no. I, I mean, I think it's not for it's not a pen for everybody. That's why I, I from the beginning I always said how much I love that pen, but I was always very cautious on recommending it blindly. Right? That's a pen that you know people needed to try and see if you know even they could write with it with the clip placement and things like that. It's not a pen for everybody for sure. Could you use it all day every day? Oh yeah, no doubt. Crazy man. <laughs> I don't understand you sometimes. No, I, I love that pen. It it fits it yeah. suits me perfectly. The retractable mechanism, the grip doesn't bother me at all. I don't even notice it's there. The the nib is awesome. Uh yeah, no. That's uh that's an all timer for me. It's it's always I always have mine inked up. Hmm. Yep, love that pen. So but you know, again, not every pen is for every. It's going to fit everyone's needs. So Thomas asked another question on kind of on these on this same general topic. If your house caught on fire, what pens are you grabbing? What can, what pen can't you live without? The house is on fire. You can pick two. Go. Retro. F- fifth. Hang on a second. <laughs> Hang on a second. Is this assuming that I can't just buy them again? Yeah, like you have. Yeah. This is assuming that these pens cannot be repurchased, right? Well, that they mean something to you. You know, what? Are, what's the most meaningful pens that oh, you're going right. to grab yeah, when I didn't you think of it that way? Leave the house. It's like you know, I, like you don't want to be without these pens, even though maybe you can. You can. I, I don't think either of us have a pen that's not purchasable. So it's pretty much kind of like your favorite pens, or. Yeah. So again, but you have to, but you have to limit it, right? I mean, two pens. I mean, that's been boring. I'd, I'd definitely go the Pelican again. Yeah. And then maybe, uh, then it would have to be the Rotaring Lava Fountain Pen, oh, because that's a good one. I can't just buy that again. Yeah, I didn't consider that one. That's a good one. Mine's is mine's the Pilot Murex, which actually Thomas gave me. Um, yeah. That so that pen's got a lot of meaning to me. Um, Plus, it's not. I mean, I could buy one on eBay, but it's not exactly easy to get like the Rotring. Um, and then probably the Pilot Custom Heritage Nine Twelve with the PO nib, just because I like it so much. That's one of my favorite writing pens. So, no wonder we got a question here from Pensomnia, which I don't have an answer for, but it's very pertinent to some of the pictures I've seen on Twitter here recently, how to properly carry pens and inks in frigid weather. I mean, my answer is don't. Yeah. My, my general rule of thumb with these sort of questions is if you're asking this question, don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) So how do I carry a fountain pen on a plane? Don't like, you know, (laughs) how do I carry a, a fountain pen in a desert? Just don't do it. Find something yep. else. If you have to, if you really have to, remove all ink. Yeah. So basically, you're taking this from one place to another where you can re-ink it. Um, so I wouldn't take any any pen that was filled with an ink bottle um, unless there's going to be an ink bottle waiting for me at my destination. Right. Because that's the, all the images we've been seeing here on Twitter have been pretty much ink bottle explosions from the freezing weather. Yeah. Um, you know, boxes landing on people's doorsteps and it's just looked like, you know, someone took a shotgun to the box. They've all exploded. Um, and yeah, I, I don't have a great answer, but my answer is don't. <laughs> like you said, if you have to ask, don't. <laughs> it just to me seems, I don't know. Like it just seems it's it's not worth the risk. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, if so, it feels like I mean, you could just carry something that's maybe not your favorite pen, but it's something along yeah. the lines of a 
Fisher Space Pen, which are yep, built for this sort it. of thing. Right. Don't fight it. Yeah. It'll be warm soon enough, and then you can get back to your awesome pens. Yeah, like, is this one trip or whatever worth destroying one of your favorite pens? Yep. If the answer is yes, then go for it. <laughs> or, or your shirt or your pants or your yeah. luggage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now for Ink Mike, this is from Ken Landwehr. Do you look for anything specific when it comes to ink or refills? Do you have a favorite brand? Um, I'm exploring this category more this year. Um, previously, when I first started you know, really getting into fountain pen inks, maybe a year, year and a half ago, I just looked for a good color that I liked and that it wasn't going to destroy my pen. That was my original thoughts. Well, now that I've learned, well, with decent, you know, respectable fountain pen hygiene, there's very few inks that are going to destroy my pen. Like, I was real tentative at first. Like, is this ink okay to put in my pen? Is this ink okay to put in my pen? Now that I've gotten over that and understand that, you know, it's really not as much the ink as much as it is me taking care of the pens and ink, you know, cleaning them and, and doing the proper fountain pen hygiene. I've really opened up to the inks I like. One thing I do like from, to be more specific for Kim's question is I do like a lubricated ink. I don't like necessarily dry inks, um, that come out very dry. Um, especially when I'm using my extra fine nibs, you know, I need some of that lubrication on the nib to help help it glide across the page a little bit more. Um, so I don't like necessarily like dry inks um, in that aspect. Secondly, I do like a shaded ink. Um, I like to see that color differentiation um, in the line. So as far as favorite brands go, I mean, there's several. I obviously like the Palo de Rochezuku. I like um, Roaring Klingner. I've, I've become a big fan of a lot of their inks. And um, Diamine are some of the most well-behaved inks I've used as far as just cleaning and all-around good performance, um, good dry time, good uh, – they clean up good out of the pens, and they look good on the page. So that's kind of my that's kind of my tips for that. Do you have anything for that, Mike? Dry time is massively important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really that willing to just kind of – jump in and buy bottles of ink you know that if mm-hmm. i'm not comfortable with the dry time and also for me i like vibrant colors i like fun colors i, I don't really like blue and black like just standard mm-hmm. blue and black or blue black like i like a really like you know you know from the, the inks that i've spoken about on the show in the past i like to have quite bright colors yeah and i actually i think i'm coming around to that more um there was a time where I would load out five or six pens and they'd all be some variation of blue black. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's not a lie. I would have every ink, every pen filled with a different blue black ink. Um, to now where I've, if I have five or six pink pens inked up, they're usually pretty, pretty good variants. I might have two blue blacks, but maybe even just one these days, which is a big change for me. So that's why I'm, my ink exploration has gotten. Uh, has gotten uh, the nets been casted wider on a lot of inks, so that's cool. So Anne Elizabeth wants to know if my kids are pen addicts yet. <laughs> they are. Um, they if they see me doing anything with pens, they're like, "Ooh, can we do pens?" That's what they say. Can we do pens today? Oh. Uh, can Can we do pens today? And the answer is usually always yes. And um, now they see me using fountain pens, so now they want it. Say so they say, "Can we do pens today?" I was like, "Yeah, can we? We can do pens." can we use your fountain pens? I'm like, Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think I've got, I've, I've got some y'all can use and they're like, yay. So yeah, they're, they're totally, totally pen addicts. Um, 100% completely pen addicts. Um, uncle Larry wants to know if there are any changes to the top five list coming up. And the answer is yes. I realized the other day, number one, I don't have a multi pen list on there which I plan on changing. And number two, it just needs, it's been 
at, at worst, I like to do it, you know, every three or four months update it. I don't want to update it every month. That's a little bit much, but it's been October since I've done an update. So I need to go through, um, you know, probably in the next few weeks and check out and see if there's anything, anything I need to change. There might be a little bit of change on the fountain pen list and I'm going to add um, the multi-pen list. And if anyone out there sees anything that I don't have on the top five list page, let me know. Um, and I will see what I can do. Um, so uh, I will add any lists that I think um, are relevant and uh, definitely want to hear them. And he also wants to know, are you still using any of the Kickstarter pins on a regular basis? How about you, Mike? What what Kickstarter pins are you using on a regular basis? I use the Ojoto still. Do you remember that? I was going to ask you specifically about that, actually. Yes, yeah, so I definitely remember that. That was the one I was most curious about for you. I keep it in my desk, like on my desk. It's in it's in one of my um, one of my one of my sort of. Uh, I have it in my groove actually from Dudek. Um, I mm. use that quite a lot. Um, I mean, it kind of doesn't count, but I've been happily using the Karis Customs Ink. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're they're the ones that I guess I use the most. I don't have as many Kickstarter pens, but I do use the Ojoto frequently. Yeah, so me, it's still the Render K. Um, the orange one you'll actually see in the in the photograph that I used uh, for the the knock idea doc. Man, that sounds cool. The knock idea doc. I love <laughs> the design of all the Karis Customs pens, mm-hmm. but I still, I mean, I found some refills that are kind of cool, but they're nowhere near what I like to get out of a pen. Which is why I'm excited for the ink anyway, because it's my style of pen. Um, right. Also, because I'll be able to put Retro 51. Because the reason that I love the Ojoto so much is because it's a really nice, comfortable body that a Retro 51 refill fits in. So the what I'm looking forward to with the ink is I've got one of the ballpoint ones. And I'll be able to put a Retro 51 refill in it. Oh, cool. That's a good idea. That was why I did it. Ah, oh, nice. That's that was a very why good I got idea. Two of them. Yeah, so I, I think the two that I really carry is obviously the render k that i said and then i've been carrying the uh the tactile turn mover which i've been really happy with and i've backed and it, it just funded uh yesterday yeah, so they, they uh, just those those will be over. getting made um so I'll, I'll have another one coming from that but those are the those are the two the the render k has stuck with me for the longest by far um still my favorite um because i'm I, I use the high tech C refill and I just, I just love the look. That's just, it's just a really great pen. Um, it, it's, it's perfect for me. So I, I really, really enjoy it. Um, Mike Dudek wants to know what's your favorite hot sauce while writing with pens? I <laughs> not a hundred percent sure. I understand the question. Yeah. I don't want to answer this in, incorrectly. So we're going to need some clarification, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea if that's a literal question or a joke question. Either way, I like it. This is one I like, and this is one I'm going to circle back on because I didn't have time. But Chris Pantoja, Beat Cat on Twitter. What about the craziest Japanese pen commercials? They are out there. The, some of these I've seen are awesome. I'm going to have to put together a yes. list yes. of these. I will go through that. I just didn't have time to put that together. It's going to take some research. But there are some amazing commercials. Um, and it's been a long time since I've linked to any of them um, or talked about any of them on the on the podcast. Um, but we've had some links in the past, and I'll try to put something together. So Eric Govro says, it's February, Inco, Rymo, and correspondence in general. So he's asking, are, are we letter writers, Mike? Are you a letter writer? I'm about to start writing letters. Mm-hmm. Now, are you doing it because of the letter writing month? No. Or are you just trying to ex- do just trying to do something a little bit different? Yeah, I want to just try that out a little bit, play around a little bit more with mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm totally on board with the uh, Inco, Rymo. I just haven't had the time to commit to that. So maybe next year I might get into that. It's where you write a, a letter a day in February 
and you know there's a whole whole group of people you know you can get all kinds of addresses and send off these letters and you'll get letters back and things like that it's a cool idea it's good ways to use your um, pens and stationery um, for for letter writing um, so I haven't I've I've been on the receiving end of some letters. Um, some people wanted to send me some letters and and Mike some letters. So, um, but uh, maybe next year I might actually participate. So this was a good this was a good question and and we got we have a lot more questions. I'm gonna I'll work on some of these for another podcast. But this one I wanted to get to because I think it's important. Since you've gotten into fountain pens, have any of your previous favorite microgel pens been completely dropped from rotation? So the short answer is no. Um, my favorite microgel pens are the Pilot High Tech C and the Uniball Sino DX. I always have those with me at all times, and I use them frequently, um, so they don't get dropped at all. Um, that said, I I obviously use them less. I mean, I only only write with one hand. I don't know about you, Mike. Do you write two-handed? Sometimes four. Four-handed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can only use one pen at a time. So yeah, they've gone down the list of usage, but drop completely, not at all, because I like them too much. They provide something different that a fountain pen can't um, can't provide, and I get I get huge enjoyment from writing with these pens. Um, that's what you know got me into this pen blogging thing to the, to begin with was these microgel ink pens, and um, I, they will never not be in my rotation do they get used less yeah they do because i've only got so many hours at a day but they are always with me um those are the two primary ones um far and away my favorite um how, how about you mike have you seen like your you were never a microgel guy to begin with but just in general have you noticed you know pens you've used in the past getting pushed to the wayside if using fountain pens if you're playing bingo, I've given you multiple opportunities this week. But I mean, I, do, I don't use the Retro Fifty One anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I have I used to just use that every single day. Like, I don't, I don't really use those anymore. Right. Um, I tend to just use fountain pens unless I'm grabbing something in a pinch. You know, so mm-hmm. I grab something mm-hmm. out of like the, out of the groove or whatever and use that. So that might be like a the autographic liner or the Sakura Pigma Micron or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking recently that maybe I should, should try some gel pens again. Okay. But I don't know yeah. what to, to go for, really. So micros, no, I, don't think, I still don't think I'm going to be a micro gel person. Sure. No, that's understandable. But I mean, if, I, if I went in my backpack right now, I have a Retro 51, I have an Odo graphic liner, I have a Uniball Sino DX, I have a Hi-Tech C. I have a secure pigma micron. Did I say that already? Yeah. No, uh, yeah. no, I did. Yeah. So those are, I mean, those are stalwarts. I mean, those are not going anywhere for me. Yeah, they get used less, but I couldn't live without them. I use them for different things and I get complete enjoyment out of writing with, you know, a, a $2 micron as much as I get with a $200 sailor. So it just, it just depends. So, there's a bunch of questions that I didn't get to today. I'm going to save all these off and maybe we'll cover them next week or I'll mix them in or I'll get back to everyone on Twitter because there's some good questions. There's actually some questions I want to expand on. And, um, you know, I'm definitely going to do a, I got some questions about um, pen shows and we're going to do a full pen show episode as I get closer to going to the Atlanta pen show this year. So maybe in a few weeks we'll do a pin show episode, you know, with my wish list. Um, and there were some questions we got. I got about vintage pins and things like that. So we'll cover all that when I do a a pin show episode here in a few weeks. So that will be that will be good. But um, everyone else whose questions are on here, thank you all so much for for sending these. And I will definitely answer all of these other questions. Just. We could keep going for another hour probably with all the questions I got, which is what's so amazing about our listeners. But I, I wanted to wrap it up on one final question, Mike. You ready? Mm-hmm. What pen would you use to sign a birth certificate? Visionaire. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's 
That's what uh, it was made for. This is from this is from our friend uh, informal scribble, scribble, Mr. Stewart uh, Hazley. Um, I mean, there's no doubt we would use the Visionaire, Stewart. I, I I can't believe you would even ask that question. I mean, that's what it's made for. It's the whole purpose. I, I, yeah. How is that even a question? So, all right, Mike. I think that's a wrap. We've mentioned <laughs> We've show notes a few times in this week's episode. If you want to find them, go to 5x5.tv slash penaddict slash 93. In all honesty, I'll buy something for the occasion. That's a good move. And I'll, I'll answer that. I'll answer this, honestly, because I've actually had two kids. My wife's had two kids. And yeah, I've had to sign birth certificates. <laughs> I've had to sign birth certificates. Didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> I was a little preoccupied. <laughs> I st- even so, you, yeah. I still would have ex- even even in that instance, I still would have expected you to pick something like weeks in advance. You know, I know, I know. Didn't even cross my mind either you time. Used like a biro or something. Yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever the nurse handed me or whatever. So yeah, hopefully she had good taste. Probably not. <laughs> if you want to f- uh, catch us online, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can read Brad's stuff over at penaddict.com, and he's at dowdyism on Twitter. That's D O W D Y I S M. And I am iMike. I am Y K E. That's it for this week's episode of The Pen Addict. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>